just very yes. jarring to me where it's like, we live in these bodies, we are these people. And it's even now, I still think I have a really hard time coming to terms with like, how do we talk about that? How do we give voice to that and allow for that? Because I think that's really where um, some of people's challenge comes in is because, right, like if you're not inside the norm yeah. of you know a heterosexual relationship, that's the only reason we talk about it is because yeah. like it is different than the norm. But really, we should all be talking about it and mm -hmm. we should all be talking about those dynamics and like what that looks like. But I feel like in our culture, what we're uncomfortable with, we just tend to sort of like, you know, brush under the rug. So But we all met, well, the Busher and myself, Tazin, we met during the age of, what is it like, online early community <laughs> building. It was kind of like Friendster. the Friendster days. So this was pre-Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our friends, now we all know him, uh, one of our friends, Junaid, had created a page oh, yes, called Bangladesh, Bangladeshis Represent, I think was the name of the, not paid, yeah. chat room maybe is what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and somehow, you it know, all up. of us, it blew up. There were hundreds of us, I think, who gravitated towards this page and then started meeting many other Bangladeshis uh, around the same age group. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really how we all, connected but funny enough Dazin, <laughs> yeah officially but i like i've yeah. known about bushra for a while right so, like, so bushra and my ex-husband went to college together right yes baruch together back in the day we went to yeah we were in school but i feel like i may have met him through Bangladeshi represent too, but I can't remember mm -hmm. how I, no, maybe I didn't, but I actually met Tazin once in person because I was dating someone who went to Penn. Um, oh, and, okay. and I remember uh -huh. you, I, I met you in one of those dorm buildings. Okay. Um, really? Because she was friends with his ex-girlfriend, very juicy guys, <gasps> very juicy. Um, and I remember like you guys were, I think like going into the the building and and I was waiting to like get checked in because I didn't go to Penn. Um, but yeah, so I Bush remember- been clearly, everywhere. She knows girl, everybody. Girl. And I remember being like, oh, that's Dazin. Like I remember that very clearly. And, and then after that, I hadn't seen you and, and then we kind of, you know, saw each other this chat room. But yeah, I know. I have all kinds yeah. of stories, random stories. There's so many <laughs> connections. I'm actually shocked I have no connection to Maya, like, whatsoever. I I <laughs> guarantee you I we will uncover something. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Well, now it's through us. Yeah. Now it's through yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so many people in that group that I'm still, like, in touch with and, like, loosely in some way. Yeah, it, it definitely was a great way to meet all kinds of people across it. And, and many, it's like, oh, yeah, we went to school together in Taka or like the English medium crew. Right. Um, and right, it, so it was a good that, mix. Right. I was going to say, there's not that many groups like that. I feel like it's yeah. very separate of sort of those of us who like are, you know, parents were immigrants and we right. grew up here versus a lot of more like of, you know, a lot of you guys who grew up overseas and then moved here later. Like there's not yeah. like a lot of, you know, cross kind of collaboration there so yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then what was funny is we we sort of were all living at, at that same stage of our lives where we just had 
graduated from graduated. college. We we're starting like our first jobs out of school. And of course the, the next step is like, Oh, when's everybody getting married? And yeah. I remember people would start announcing in this chat room because we all became so close, like, Oh, I got engaged or, you know, so-and-so. And it turns out we all, I remember this Maya, it's crazy. Like all of our wedding dates were literally one weekend after another. And we were inviting wow. the same people. So they're like wedding hopping. So uh -huh. I got married in July of 07. And then Thazin got married like a couple of weeks later in August. Yeah. And then Marion got married in November. November. It was all the same same time period. Same year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, same year. It's crazy. One you of the things I have to mention, I feel like the U.S. Bangladeshi Americans versus the Canadian Bangladeshi Canadians. Yeah, the, I, I think um, I feel like you guys are much more rooted in finding your culture because mm. you know the, the way you're mentioning that you guys met over in a chat room, you connected me growing up. I mean, whether it was high school, I mean, it wasn't until way into my university career that I started feeling rooted or finding my roots. In oh, the really? Community. Hmm. Yeah. Which is why it's so interesting because you yeah. guys are about as American as it gets, yet you're also as Bangladeshi as I can, you know. Right. But I do think there is like a common thing between at least the three of us that like Bushar, your mama, like we there was some sort of like older person in our family that did some level of like bringing Bangalis together because they all kind of got here at the same time. Like yeah. in the 70s, right. it wasn't easy to find community. Oh. I feel like that was kind of permeated within us as we I grew. think there's different levels of it. So like I think when we were younger and like doing like the cultural programs and stuff, it for me anyways, it felt more like I was kind of forced into it initially where it was like, you know, my mom was really into Gobita and yep. Bangla and like to this day we'll translate, you know, very lengthy poems because she wants me to know every single word. Wow. Um, but I think there was like this like, evolution over time of like making it your own and really enjoying it. I spent time in Bangladesh, like learning Rabindra Shongit, learning like folk music. And that I think was as I got older. And then in college yeah. too, it was just different. You know, when you grow up in these communities, like a lot of us did that were largely white um, suburban yeah. communities. It was just kind of this, for me, it was less about being Bangladeshi and more like just getting to be around other South Asian people yep. and in a time in history when, you know, we weren't seeing that represented a lot. We weren't feeling kind of, I know there's sort of a displacement and it was sort of this rooting thing that happened later. I think similar to what you're talking about, Maya. Yeah. It was a bit eye-opening for me to meet people who had similar experiences as I did growing up. Like I did not, I guess to your point, like I did not grow up with that. At and all. I feel like we craved that, right? The, I mean, and it's normal to gravitate towards people who have similar backgrounds, experiences, because then you can share those and, you know, either commiserate or laugh about yeah. it or whatever it is. And I think that's why even when we talk about a lot of our cultural nuances, it's just funny mm -hmm. for us because it's an observation of like, oh, wait, you grew up that way too. So did yeah. I. Um, and then a lot of times you notice that people of color gravitate towards each other you know, across the races, because again, like those immigrant stories are very similar. Yep. The family values are very similar. So then we all gravitate towards each other. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I, I, and I think that's part of the reason we love having these conversations because we also identified, we don't see as many Bangladeshis 
talking about Bangladeshi culture, like people are very familiar with Indian yeah. cuisine, mm. culture, mm. Bollywood, all of that. But there are other South Asian countries where you don't see it as much, or at least we haven't. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fun to be able to share our perspective as well. And represent our generation, I think. That's yeah. the other yes. thing. It's like we That's are yeah, like living and growing mm -hmm. up here with the hyphen, right? Bangladeshi American is so different from our parents or those who are just immigrating now. And so there, I think there's also some strong level of community we should continue to build yeah. because our generation is not represented anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Which is why I, we were really excited to have Tazin. <laughs> because yeah. I think you I also, agree. yeah, no, but I think as we were saying earlier, she's got like, we all have so many layers, but there's a lot of what, um, Tazine's experiences, your identities, your stories, like all of the things that kind of we talk about, we I haven't heard talked about in our community. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we want to just kind of start there. Yeah. So Tazine, we left off at, we all got married in 07. <laughs> and then we kind of all sort of, you know, moved on with our lives. Like I was in Chicago, marrying mm -hmm. you moved to Milan yep. shortly thereafter. So like what, so then what happened? What was the timeline after that? Well, I think even leading up to that for me, it was like, I was very focused on this like checklist. I was kind of like, you know, go to a good school, check, get a well-paying job, check, buy a house, find a husband, 2.5 kids. Like I was just kind of on this like path, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because sometimes it's not even like, my parents never said that to me, right? Like I sort of put that on myself in a, in a weird way. Um, but I was very focused on that. And so I think that was really what drove me to want to get married. Um, especially like coming from divorce, my parents are also divorced. I was just very set on like wanting to have a very steady base um, for my own life. And so that was really kind of where I was. I wasn't thinking, you know, when you're in your young 20s, I was like 23 going on 24. It was just so wow. early. When yeah. you got married? Oh, yeah. 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 I was, I was just was not, yeah. I, I, I just, there, you know yourself, at least for me at that time, I knew myself so little. And um, so, yeah, so I kind of just threw myself into it, you know, really just hoping for the best. <laughs> Um, and I don't know, I think my story is like not that different than a lot of people where I just kind of slowly came to the realization. It took me a while, honestly, as I was approaching 30, there's kind of this time, I think for women, when you're in your late twenties, early thirties, where I don't know, you just start to really come into yourself like in a deeper way. And I, instead of really looking around and being like, you know, my job or whatever, my house isn't good enough. And it, it had nothing really to do with resources. It was really just about kind of what was like going on inside of me. And I was like, I feel just dead inside. I no. don't feel alive. I don't feel like what I think a 30 year old is supposed to feel like. Um, and a lot of that, you know, I think there were, it's not even the fault of the relationship or the marriage. I think I came into that not knowing myself. I came into that not knowing what I needed and how to, like what my communication style was. Like I didn't realize that the way I grew up with like very open communication, you know, we kind of talked mm -hmm. about everything. Uh, my mom and I, after my dad left, like we literally discussed everything, right? 
she and I were just were a family unit and I didn't realize that you know in my ex-husband's family just it was much more typical like Bangladeshi um, immigrant experience they had immigrated a little bit later and but it was just more typical right like things were under the surface and so it's not speaking ill of them I just think that I wasn't accustomed to that experience and so for me like I would bring things up on the spot and just kind of ask like hey you know to you know my in-laws if they had an issue with something and and for and for me it was very jarring of just like it would be under the surface until it would sort of explode Mm -hmm. um and I just I wasn't used to that um so yeah again I I think that I think as long as, you know, I, I just didn't really know myself. I, d- I didn't know what I was looking for. And then, so really, you know, the marriage, I kind of knew, I, I think a few years in, that it really just wasn't working out. Um, I didn't feel like myself. I was just kind of a shadow of myself. And it it really had, you know, so I, I tell people often, like, it had nothing to do with sexuality. I truly was not. I never felt like I was in the closet. Um, I, you know, I just didn't. And so I think really it was more of this kind of process that took a while, this sort of greater like awakening within me of just like the possibilities of life in general. So, Mm. you know, going down this checklist and feeling like I had to do X, Y, and Z, I never considered other like possibilities, right? I never considered that there were other options. And so I think being in that mindset at that time when I was just, you know, barely 30 and decided that, you know, this wasn't going to work out, it was kind of empowering to like make that decision and kind of walk away and just, you know, at the time it was, you know, it it was hard. Like, I think, you know, most people, you know, were like, well, why don't you just, you know, have a baby? Um, Oh my God. Solution to everything. The worst worst advice. And I was just like, you know what, we waited this long because we had waited six years and I, I just kind of knew like that there was something off. And so for me, it wasn't, it just felt like that wasn't right. Um, but that empowering, you know, kind of like walking away from that particular path that I was on, I think that really just broke me open in a different way where like, it wasn't just about, you know, I mean, of course, I later ended up, um, you know, meeting my now partner. And, you know, that was very unexpected. I went on to later, like, leave my job, and I sold all my stuff. And I moved to like Bali for two years to go like, you know, volunteer, essentially, at an education nonprofit, like, I just it just kind of got me thinking that, like, there's so much more possible. And I'm, I'm the one who's limiting myself. And so, um yeah but as far as you know the the whole you know sexuality thing i i feel like in our culture in general like we're just so repressive in the way that we talk about sexuality yes. yeah whether it's for straight people whether right. it's queer people it's just like we're so like shut down um because even before this like i felt like when you know my ex and i were married it was like this overnight shift of like we're supposed to go from like pretending that we don't like live together or whatever yeah. to suddenly like you know you know having babies and I've and right. people talking about it so it was just very yes. jarring to me where it's like we live in these bodies we are these people and it's even now I still think I have a really hard time coming to terms with like how do we talk about that how do we give voice to that and allow for that because I think that's really where um 
some of people's challenge comes in is because, right, like if you're not inside the norm yeah. of you know a heterosexual relationship, that's the only reason we talk about it is because yeah. like it is different than the norm. But really, we should all be talking about it, and mm -hmm. we should all be talking about those dynamics and like what that looks like. But I feel like in our culture, what we're uncomfortable with, we just tend to sort of like you know brush under the rug. So anyway, um, yeah, but at that point, so in a, in a greater sense, I just feel like there was like all of these things happening. Um, and yeah, and then as part of that, you know, I kind of, you know, ended up meeting Alexis, who is my partner now. Um, we're married. We've been married for, I guess, about six years now. It's been six uh, years. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. It has. Wow. Time flies. Uh, celebrated our, yeah, sixth anniversary this past summer. Um, Congrats. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think, I think that's where for me, like when I think about like how most people would relate to this, it's just kind of like asking those questions of like, what ways are you like kind of living your life in the middle or just like not really questioning, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can relate to that. I know, especially cause I think, uh, I think I know Maharine and Maya, you guys have also been divorced. Does that resonate mm -hmm. at all or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You know, um, the part where you were talking about, how the way we grow up and things that are norms for us not being the norm for our partners yeah. that's it's it's so deep with me because that was the same same thing with me mm -hmm. because he like his family was so used to having the the man kind of lead everything and just keep everything quiet you know where's the money coming from it's all taken care of yeah. oh, not, you, do you need hot courage yeah here mm -hmm. you know but it was never yeah. talking about finances or things that are happening in the home in an open sort of a way that, you know, this is what's going on, you know, what's happening with you at work. It was just, everything was very quiet. Mm -hmm. So that's not something that I'm used to either. Uh, everything has to be kind of out and open and discussed. <laughs> right. Yes. So, Same yeah. with me. It was very patriarchal. It was very <laughs> much like, especially from a career perspective, there was a lot of like, you know, um, this is different like that kind of stuff yeah where it's like that's not that's not what we're that's not definitely not how I was raised right um but those expectations but I think there's so many double standards within that yeah. too because oh. there was I think one thing I realized was um when I got married it was like you know, we're going to be this power couple, like everything is going to be all these, like, that, that's who I think he were. Not to speak ill of him, but it's like, you kind of aspire to marry this person where you think you guys are going to be like all these things. But then once I think the woman starts to get there, then it's hard to handle, right? Like, oh, you're too loud. You talk mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. Right. And uh, that was really repressing for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely relate to that too. It's, um, it's hard too, because it's like, you look at so many of the women of the prior generation, like, um, they're, they're our moms or like exactly. you know, these men's moms. And like a lot of these women, like, I mean, so many of our families are held together by matriarchs, right? Like we're the yeah. ones oh, yeah. in so many cases. And yet there's this, I don't know, there's this like leveling of the playing field that has to happen because of it. Um, so yeah, there, there's so many layers to go there. And exactly. As as, like looking at, you know, the archetypes of that person's parents, our own parents, like honestly, literally you boil everything down and ultimately come back to like all this like foundational stuff that everything is based on. But 
but yeah, I think there's a lot of common threads there. And I think that we all just come to these realizations like in different ways and at different times. Yeah. Um, and I just think looking back on it, had I come from a culture or like a background where maybe I wasn't so set on like having these things in my life, I do think I probably would have been open to dating both men and women. I think I, I would have probably like entertained it. Um, it's not that I like ever shut it down. It just like truly wasn't on my plan. And so I, I, yeah. I didn't do it. Um, and so I don't know, like in my case, I feel like that was what though, like being in that space where you're so broken and like in this vulnerable place right after a marriage ends, um, I think that like being in that mind space was really what actually opened me to like, I guess I'm just like starting over, you know, I literally felt like I was starting over at 30, which looking back on it, like I felt so old then. And I'm like, I don't know like why I felt that way. Right. Um, but it, it felt hard because, you know, a lot of people, you know, even like you, Bushra, like had gotten married yeah. and, you know, had been working it out. They had a couple of kids by then. And so it felt like a real, it was a tough decision to just be like, you know what? I, can't do this and I've got to just and when you start over it like you just have no idea what's going to happen right like you fully yeah. accept I'm maybe by myself and that's fine I may need to just like do whatever it is I need to do but that reality is better than what you're in and so it's still worth it I think there's something so powerful in what you just said about um that's what I accept I think accepting mm -hmm. that things can be different accepting who you are I, I think a lot of what we go through or knowing that we have to go through these checklists or whatever the expectations are kind of starts with like, I don't know if it's a denial of who I am or who I'm, who I think I'm supposed to be or who we're supposed to be, but the acceptance of like, I can be anyone like kind of starting from your point, starting from scratch and just letting things kind of happen the way they did. Like you moved to Bali, like you did all these things. I personally can't think of like, it would be a lot of work for me. Mm -hmm. to step out of those boxes and actually give myself permission yeah. to do that. That's and not I think easy. Part of it is the way we're raised, right? We, we're always compared to others, whether it's, you know, your parents, friends, kids, your mm -hmm. family members. So uh, we're always raised to think, okay, these, this is a checklist because so-and-so did the same thing. Like you were saying, well, I saw someone my same age married with children and he here I am now divorced Yep, and starting yep. new. And so there's all this pressure. And then there's added pressure from your parents and your, you know, all your relatives of like, yes. like all yes. this bullshit. Like there's a reason you thought you were old at 30 because we were raised to believe by 30, right. your kid your is life's like over. sixth grade or some shit. Right. Like, so I think that's been uh, a very, um, it, it's sort of like our generation is changing that narrative a little bit and hopefully the next one will change it entirely with this expectation that at a certain age you have to be at this point in your life doing X, Y, and Z, you have to be in a relationship or you have to be married. Like we need to normalize that it's okay not to do any of those things. Yeah, It's okay yeah. to literally be single and right. living your best life, but not our- Exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I do have to. I do have to add in there. If somebody does want the family and the kids yeah. and the two point five, all of that, that's also something I feel like that needs to be discussed and planned out earlier in life. Because for myself, for example, 
I got divorced. I got married the second time when I was turning about 27, right? And family planning for me then, especially having my second kid at 36, I mean, I had a whole host of health issues and a lot of, I mean, I was basically a geriatric pregnant person because I wanted this for my family. I wanted this for myself, but I hadn't planned. I mean, of course, life never works yeah. out that way anyways, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like if I had known a lot of things about my body and, you know, going back to not talking about these things, yeah. about, you know, your physical health and your sexual health and things like that, I didn't know where I was going and I didn't know that my my health was going to go in the direction that it did. So it all depends on what you want and figuring that out kind of step of the way and just titrating your life around that. Um, and yeah. it should be your decision though, right? I yeah. think that's the problem yeah, it's is not a pressure. it feels like yeah. it, it isn't and that mm -hmm. we're doing, we're just following this map that somebody laid out 5,000 years ago and we're never changing it. Um, so that's, yeah. yeah, it's hard. So Thazin, like, how did you, I, I guess, like, how did your mom react to one year divorce and then sort of moving on to a very different lifestyle? And of course, with, along with that comes a community. Sometimes I feel like the parents are fine. They're supportive. And then they're getting all this pressure from everybody else. Like, and this and that. And you're like, oh my <laughs> God, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I so when I first started dating Alexis, actually the first two people I told was my mom and then my ex because we all lived in the same city. I mean, not my mom, but you know, my ex and I. Yeah. And I just I don't know, it was important to me for like everyone to know that this wasn't like a moment of me like waiting to come out of the closet. Like it was just I wanted it to be known that this was a completely organic thing that was like unexpected. Um and so thankfully, you know, it went over well um, with him. And I don't know, with my mom, it was, it, I think at first, you know, just like a lot of my friends, I think they're just protective and they're just sort of like, you know, you're going through a really emotional time, um, you know, make sure that you're, you know, thinking clearly that you're, you know, and I think that was her initial reaction. But like, I will say like, I am super blessed. My mom is just really, truly, um, sometimes doesn't feel like she's from this world. Like she just has a wisdom and a Zen and a knowledge. And so she came around pretty quickly. I think she met Alexis soon after, like she was in town. Um, and I, you know, even from the beginning, she was just like, you know, you just seem like more yourself. Like you just seem more happy. And she's like, at the end of the day, as a parent, like all I want is for yeah. you to be happy. And you know, whether I understand it or don't, it doesn't really matter. But I think that was her initial thing of like, whether I understand it or don't. And then over time, I really do think it, you know, it takes years to like fully unpack these things, right? I mean, for a while, I think she was, you know, just telling everyone, well, my daughter's gay. And I was like, no, that's not exactly like, to me, that's not the experience of what I feel that I'm going through. But I get why you, you know, to my mom, at first, it was like a zero or a one, right? It's like, well, you're either right. gay or you're straight, because you know, you were married to a man and now, you know, you're with a woman. And I think that nuance probably took longer to explain the fact that like, I fell in love, that person happened to be a woman. And, you know, I could have felt, fallen in love with a man. And, and so I think that nuance seemed to really be difficult for like, mm -hmm. not just my mom, but like my extended family to also kind of understand that. Um, but 
overall, like I, uh, yeah, a lot of, I feel like I've had a lot of acceptance and been super, super lucky in that way. You know, that my mom, who I'm extremely close to, like that we had that. Um, there was the first year that, you know, I, cause I'd gotten divorced like pretty shortly before that to meeting Alexis. Um, my mom had just done like, I called it like a divorce tour where she went, she's very old school. So she like drove places. Like she didn't want to tell anyone on the phone. She doesn't oh like giving God. big news on the phone. I don't know why. Um, she literally like drove to like close friends and family, like tell them that I was getting divorced. And really? Like, yeah. And then literally like a year later, it was like probably less than a year later. She's, she's on like, another road trip. She's on another <laughs> coming out tour. <laughs> oh my behalf. goodness. Uh, How sweet though. I think I there's know. something she feels like you yeah. have to say these things face to face. Yeah. And that's really, I do think that was the culture of my family where like we would talk about wow. things. And so when she did that with her extended family, it was like one Thanksgiving and I wasn't there, thankfully. Um, they, I heard that there was all kinds of like crying and people were very upset and like, wow. it was, yeah. It, and even my little cousins that were there, I'm like one of the oldest cousins. So most of my cousins are a lot younger than me. I mean, to this day, they just like crack up at like how chaotic it got when my mom, wow. you know, I guess told my coming out story um, to like my, and that's the thing. I think the, the part that people don't often realize is like, it has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with people's, you know, really it comes down to exposure. I think mm -hmm. um, some of the most educated yeah. members of my family who work in mental health, who work in, you know, healthcare, doctors, uh, literally they, some of them are the most ignorant of, of all. Really? Wow. <laughs> Whereas some of my wow. least educated family members, um, including my nanny, who has like what a seventh grade education, um, are much more you know open and accepting. And so, I think a lot of it just it's unexpected, you know, where you get yeah. support from and where the challenges are. Um, even in the community, like you know, of course, I think amongst just the you know the the generic aunties and uncles. Um, I think that the strategy was mostly just to like ignore it and hope that they mm -hmm. never had to talk about it. Um, that's been a little tough. I think for my mom, who's like super mm. connected with everyone and just people not really want like hoping that the topic of like the zine doesn't come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I try really like with my family gatherings, like I have a lot of family that live here in Austin. Um, you know, I bring Alexis to everything. I, tr I mean, I try. Obviously, sometimes it's boring, just the amount of Bangla being spoken. <laughs> She's literally the biggest person in the room pretty much everywhere. Um, but it, you know, I think it's important just to kind of normalize and for people to have that exposure at the end of the day. I think that's really what allows people to just kind of be more accepting. And at the end of the day, we come from a really homogenous, like, culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that plays a lot into like, it's hard sometimes for us to talk about the ways that we are different and the ways that we do think differently, right? Because we all present, you know, as, as this one, you know, kind of monolithic thing. Um, but yeah, so it's been a mixed bag, but overall I've, I've been pretty lucky, I will say. I mean, and do you think, you know, this is something, it's not just in our culture, uh, many cultures have a hard time too. I, I think you bring up a good point about being exposed is yeah. is such a key piece of this. How do you think, what's, you know, Alexa's side of the story too? Because she's also from a different culture. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, has is it a similar experience for them as well in terms of how, you know, they react mm -hmm. to something like this or? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think most cultures, um, you know, so um, Alexis's family is West Indian. So her um, dad's family is from Jamaica and mom is from Barbados. Um, that's a particularly tough part of the world to be gay in. Um, even probably worse than South Asia, I will say, um, oh, with wow. the religious fervor and belief. So um, it was, she had a very, so I guess even, even leading into all this, I say everything that I said about my own experience, like I feel sometimes like, I don't always feel the most comfortable like representing the queer community because I'm just like, my life has yeah. been relatively like so privileged. I am cisgendered. I present like a woman, I'm straight passing. People literally, you know, assume that I probably have a husband. Like that is the way the world sees me if I'm by myself, um, you know, socioeconomically, all these things. Um, I think that Alexis' experience is a little bit more um, indicative of just kind of the, um, you know, the uh, spectrum of, of, you know, ways that you can experience this. So her family was, is very, very religious, like born again Christians, um, like fundamentalist Christian. They were yeah. in three days a week. Um, and yeah, I mean, in her case, like she really struggled in the beginning with just kind of, you know, what that felt like of, um, feeling different and knowing that you were different and being told that, you know, that was evil and that you would literally be burning in hell for that. So I think those things have taken, you know, they still take time, right? They stay with us yeah. as kind of mm -hmm. traumas, definitely. Um, and again, in her case, like she came out of the closet when she was much younger. I mean, she was, you know, still in high school. But I, I think that that is probably more indicative of a lot of people in the community. Um, that's, you know, in part, like, that's why I feel sort of like I didn't have to go through any of that. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't necessarily that way. And a lot of, you know, younger Bangladeshi Americans that are questioning, that are kind of coming up, I mean, in speaking to a lot of them, I feel like it's hard. I mean, are a lot of the, you know, people, especially who've immigrated more recently, um, even highly educated people, like I said, yeah. you know, people are theoretically very accepting when it's your own child. Yep. Um, yeah people's tune changes quite a bit, um, right? And so I think that it, you know, so many people, like extended family, younger kids, like it's been cool, like I think just putting myself out there, letting people know, I, I'm not even, not even letting people know, but just like literally posting about my own life. I feel like people feel as brave and I'm just like, this is just like me, but I think it's so important, right? I mean, connection, just people just feeling seen and feeling like there's something reflected of them. Um, I've had so many younger South Asians reach out just thanking me for just being some kind of representation out there. Um, and so, yeah, I think we need more of that. I feel like a lot of this stuff, you know, like we know of somebody and like, a yeah, exactly. Or they're not out or they're not, you know, feeling comfortable. And for me, and that's just where I am because of my own privilege and other things that I can do that. I don't think that's right for everybody. Um, but I try like, you know, to, I, I don't try to shy away from like our community stuff as much as possible, but at the same token, like can be super uncomfortable too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we went to like a baby shower um, the one time and it was all, you know, like Bangladeshi aunties and stuff. And I was trying to tell the woman, cause she kept asking me like what my husband did. 
And I was like, I don't, for, it was such a bizarre question. And I was like, I don't have a husband. And it's actually it's not. It's always, Jamaiki kore. Jamaiki kore. It's not a bizarre question in our community, unfortunately. Yeah. I know. But, and so I was trying to explain with Alexis right next to me. I was like, I was. She was yeah. right next to you? Yes, she was sitting right next to me. Was she and, asking you this in English or Bangla? Well, Jamaiki Kore was the question. And then I answered in English and I said, oh, I said, oh, I think I said, Amar Jamai or something like that. Yep. And then, and then I said in English, I was like, this is my partner, Alexis. And I, so I had to end up breaking it down for her. Like I had to go into more depth and the entire party like died down. Everybody stopped talking. And everybody literally what? <laughs> it was pretty awful. Um, but oh she just, and then she started apologizing. Like, but I was like, why are you apologizing? Like, it was just yeah. very, it was very awkward. But these think, things happen, right? I mean, this is yeah. our to your point, though, like, you know, even for a lot of us who are a little are definitely more exposed, I don't know what to say or how to ask certain things either. And then you do you do feel like, oh, I feel like I need to apologize. I, I put you in an awkward position. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely a, a lot of education still needed. Mm -hmm. But yeah you know, there's also another group who's like, absolutely not. Do not talk about any of this stuff. Because if you do, then you're um, brainwashing exactly. people. And the like kids. it's a really hush hush thing. Like I know yeah. people who know people of the community yeah. and like kids are around, they're like, right. And it's like, why are you whispering? Like kids yeah. are in school. Kids have way more exposure yeah. now than we had ever did. And I think right. it's so more, not just accepted, but just very fluid and very natural for them now. For it's the kids. Thing, almost like they feel like if their kids are exposed to it, somehow like they're going to become it. They're going to become right. it. Yeah. And it's it's so it, again, it's that whole repression. I think of sexuality in general mm -hmm. that yeah. is a problem because we all need to talk about sex and sexuality more. I think that's actually a big issue in our culture anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I feel like it's for me, like the exposure thing, like it, it really depends on someone's heart, right? If I think someone has good intentions, um, they ask me something that's offensive or say it in a way. I mean, the end of the day, like I think we've all experienced that, even as like women of color. Yeah, people yeah. ask things or say things that are just completely out of pocket. Yeah. And you just know that you know the person. And, and so for me, I would rather people show curiosity and ask and engage. I think it's like, you know, often people are like, well, I don't know if I should ask about if you're mm -hmm. married or if you have kids. Point. And I'm like, literally think about me as another human being, like yes. somebody who is the same age as you or whatever, similar life stage. What would you ask them? Right. And, and, and by that token, what would you not ask them? Would you get into depth about right. someone else's fertility if they were not your close friend? Probably not. So just because it's a same sex couple, not necessarily your business, who their right. is or whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> and so I think those things, it's just kind of trying to, but again, like I think that's where it really is important. Like the more friends you have that are in the community, the more people you know, like just trying it out, right? And really just, just trying to interact the way that you would. And I think by doing that, getting those reps in, I feel like you'll, you'll pretty quickly get, you know, it's not, it's not that different, but I get yeah. it. 
know people are worried about well I don't want to offend I don't want to step in it and it's just like at the end of the day I feel like we all learn from like yeah. all of us I mean literally yeah. every one of us has done that right oh yeah yeah I think the other nuance of all of this is you know, when you think about how the older generation reacts to it, a lot of it is very much based on religion. And, you know, they are incredibly genuinely worried about, you know, what does that mean for you in your afterlife? What's yeah. your salvation? You know, yes. like you are going to go to hell, right? And, and this is a genuine you know, they they genuinely care about it. I mean, there are people who are judging, but then there are others who are like you're, you know, this is bad. This is bad for you. Like you're going to go to hell. And, and so that's very much what they're worried about. Like, this is a sin. It's a guna and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm it's always a scare tactic. Right. And for me, it's like, look, what somebody chooses in their life and the decisions they make, that's up to them and God. Yep. Who am I to come and interfere and tell you what is right and what is wrong? That's not my yeah. job. My job is to follow what I believe and, you know, do, do the right things. But it shouldn't mean just because I support you and your choices that suddenly I'm now somehow tied into this or whatever that is. And that's been sort of like this ongoing discussion I always have with family yeah. members where they're very much like, no way, I cannot accept this. I cannot attend a wedding or any of that. And I'm like, what, what, they're doing how is that harming you i understand you're worried about this being a sin but you're not committing a sin i think by we'll being that. part of that no go ahead no you go first <laughs> i was gonna say i think there's there's definitely that when it comes to like um it's not your child but to tazin's yeah. point when you were saying like when it's your child there's also this like this notion of like like your child is your possession and whatever they like they mm. we don't see our children as individuals you yeah. know often so and definitely sense. not in our culture mm -hmm. you are a part of me you are an accept mm -hmm. a, uh, representation of me and all of those things and that almost it's almost like they take it on as as to your point like what is my, going to be my salvation if my yeah. offspring right a part of me is happy this is I didn't guide them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was just going to say, I, I was taking a little exception to what you're saying about choice. I think in my case, certainly like I, um, I think people who are born gay or lesbian, like it's not a choice. Right. Yeah. I think that they generally, um, I mean, that, that is the way, you know, that they are born. And honestly, I think when it comes to religion, I think all major religions, right. Are, have some kind of, it yeah. depends interpretation have, have something to say right about this being wrong and at the same time it just sort of feels like if we're truly all made in god's image or by god like by Allah, yeah. whoever yeah. like what like why then why what makes us different right yeah and so i don't know for me it, it is hard. Like, I feel like I definitely am in a place where I'm grappling with like, what is faith? What is, you know, what is it? Where do I fit into it? Because I feel so alienated from any, you know, organized religion at this point, you know, and, and same, yep. you know, same as Lexus coming from the church and that kind of harmful, you know, those views. Um, but at the same time, I just sort of look at like, I don't know. I, I feel like people like I and I say this from a place of like, so my my dad and I are essentially estranged. My parents are divorced and my dad um, remarried and he and his wife are very religious. Um, he was never religious before. My parents are both scientists. So like we grew up with like, 
you know, we went to the mosque maybe like once every couple of years, you know, and um, it was more Bangla, like Bangla culture, Bangladeshi culture yeah. was much mm-hmm. more like our, you know, what I grew up with. And I will say like, you know, I get long texts from my, my, my dad does not acknowledge my life with Alexis. He, we don't, we really don't speak, to be honest. We just generally don't speak. But um, all of the, you know, the lengthy texts about, you know, what I should be doing and all these things. It's just sort of like, again, I would be willing to accept that from somebody who is living that example. So often I find not just in Islam, but people from all religions, mm-hmm. like who are the loudest, often tend to just be the least examples of that thing. Right. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know, it, it it is, it doesn't sit that well with me, but again, yeah. And then at the end of the day, to your point, Bushra, like, literally how does this impact you personally like right. it doesn't yeah <laughs> exactly and thank you for correcting me for using the word choice because you're you're correct like it, it is nobody chooses this life especially because of the repercussions unfortunately and yeah. it is incredibly difficult to you know embrace a lot of that and having so much pushback um so yes it's it's certainly not a choice and how hard it must be to know that it's not a choice, but you have to kind of not, like when you're not yourself, when you can't be yourself, when you can't like, I think even culturally, like, like it's like mental health, not yeah. be like, no, this is what you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to dress. Yeah. And it's I mean, so, it be so heavy for so many people. Yes. Again, I'm speaking as someone who like, I mean, there are people who are literally suicidal because right. of not being yeah. able to, you know, let's even go beyond, you know, like that are trans, that don't right. feel that they are at home in their own bodies, that don't feel seen by the world. Like, I do think that it can be um, hard to fully grasp that until either you or your child or someone that you know has experienced something like that. And so I think those are the things that are really important for like our community, like our generation to start yes. to understand that like, this isn't some like Western mumbo jumbo. Like this yes. is stuff, our mental health, like our ability to see people. Like, your whole podcast is about connection, right? Like we, you know, sharing stories about people of our generation, of the things that we've gone through. For me, I just, you know, that's really what I want the most is like for other queer Bangladeshi Americans to be like, hey, like there, there are some other people out here like us. Mm-hmm. And like, to have some level of visibility because we do have that privilege here. Like I will say, yeah. like having gone to Bangladesh, um, you know, I, my family, um, you know, so I've listened to y'all's podcast. So my family is from a completely different socioeconomic stratosphere in Bangladesh, very middle class, not the whole tri-state area, you know, um, <laughs> subculture, right? Although I have a lot of friends who are from that. So I've, I've lived in both worlds for yeah. sure. Um, and it's so interesting because I met a bunch of queer Bangladeshis while I was visiting. Um, I was there right when the pandemic started, actually. And it's just a totally different way of being, right? Because of safety issues, because of yeah. what things are. And, yeah. and these people who are protected by their wealth, they're protected by their family names. Yes. It's still so under the radar yeah. of what's happening. and. Um, I found myself like having a hard time having conversations about it because I'm just like, am I just not supposed to bring up the elephant in the living room like that? This is how we are connected in some way. Right. And and I later just was kind of like, yeah, I can't bring my my U.S. standards to to this context. Right. Even though I know 
I know that this person is queer or LGBT in some way. I just, it's not necessarily a safe venue to, to discuss that. And it's so, it's sad. Like I, like I would love to take Alexis to Bangladesh, but I think it's incredibly like dangerous. And yeah. I, I don't know that I would yet, or I would have to have certain safeguards in place in order to do that, right? So I, so I do think, again, there's so many different um, variables of like, even, you know, even when we're talking about like our experience here, we're so lucky yeah. in so many ways. Oh, we maybe are. I didn't catch what you said, but is it in Bangladesh, were you in like, was it a venue of just like, just random like people meeting up and it was like, or was it like the community coming together and you still couldn't talk? It was a bigger <laughs> party, but at that party, I had been introduced to a few queer people who I, who I knew were queer. Oh, okay. um, it wasn't a solely, Queer party, they they okay. and they do. I mean, they have their own gatherings as well. Mm -hmm. But it was just in the larger context of like a bigger social gathering, right? And so, as I was talking to some of these people, I was just finding it like <laughs> they weren't either picking up what I was putting down, or it was just you know I, I was maybe totally outside the social norms of even bringing that topic up in some mm -hmm. even coded way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I just realized that yeah, I was it's just a completely different experience, right? Just like you guys talk about even in general, like the whole, you know, culture, subculture of like Gulshan of, of all of it. It's just, yeah. let alone any like completely middle-class existence there. I mean, that's just, you know, a whole different situation. So, yeah. So, so what you're saying about the Gulshan or just even like the Dhaka yeah. culture, especially being someone who's LGBT, I have a friend who was telling me, uh, and he's, he's i would say queer i don't know i know we need um, to learn he, the terms that was one of my questions <laughs> um okay yeah we'll so he he was mentioning that there were incidences where he would go on those uh the apps where you meet people mm -hmm. and it would be like dads of his friends oh, that yeah. would show up oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and so and it's just and it's the same people who would probably never acknowledge Right. You know, their their existence or their sexuality are the same people who are on these apps right. looking for partners. Yeah. So like I can't even imagine how how that <laughs> would be. <laughs> right. Because then people in our community are like, oh, there's no gay people in our community. Yeah. We just don't have we we just happen to be one of those populations that don't have any gay and it's like, no, people are because of the repression, because we are, it is so stigmatized. I do think that that, you know, keeps people in the closet and especially think about our parents' generation. I mean, mm -hmm. I can imagine, you know, what that would have been like. But yeah, these things were of course happening. And then you think about so many of the environments in Bangladesh, like it is boys together, girls together, yeah. right? So there are yeah. opportunities, again, if you're gay, you are gay. It's not that you become that way, obviously, but like, you know, there's just more opportunities as opposed to like boys and girls, it's much more like, you know, discouraged when you're younger, right? Um, but yeah, I don't think that's a surprise at all. Um, I just think that it's sad because on the surface, those are the same people. Oftentimes people who are the most repressed are the most hateful and yep. do yeah. end up doing things that are actually very like damaging to other people in the community because of their own self-hatred, right? Yeah, absolutely. This conversation reminded me, I started watching this show on um, Prime called Made in Heaven. Yeah, um, it's an I think it's an Indian based show mm -hmm. and they cover a lot of these types of topics and mm -hmm. they cover a lot around 
LGBTQ community and, and, you know, the challenges yeah. they have. And it was very eye-opening to see within our like South Asian culture that, you know, they're becoming more brave in terms of having shows that really highlight those lifestyles and, and the challenges. Have you guys seen? Made oh, it yeah. Out? Okay. Yeah. 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 I've seen it. It's, um, yeah. the, I was going to mention the word queer to me. Yes. It's, for me is an all encompassing word. So um, anything that is outside of the norm of, you know, whatever heteronormative standards to me is queer. So for instance, like I don't identify as a lesbian. I don't even really identify as bisexual. I feel that I could love different people basically, right? And I guess that the closest to that is pansexual is what's being used now. But I, in general, I don't love labels. I feel like the LGBTQ community also is very label oriented too, of like needing to fit in a box. And so I am like kind of turned off by that. So for me and for a lot of queer folks, like the word queer just refers to somebody outside of that heteronormative standard. Um, but then there are people who are very specific about, you know, what they identify mm -hmm. as within that, um, you know, breakdown. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's very helpful. It was, it's kind of like the word was used in a negative context historically. Right. Yes. It's a kind of reclaiming of that word in some sense. Mm. But to me, it just captures so much. Like I think about, even it's like a mindset, right? Like for me, I like to think about the way that I design things, the way that I think about things. Like I like to take a queer approach, meaning I like to break out of the kind of, you know, standard way of thinking. So for me, I, I see it as a much broader just kind of movement when you look at literature, when you look at art, all of those things, right? But in the context of sexuality, it's generally, it is not, doesn't have a negative connotation and is the most broad word but lgbtq is is obviously fine for you know catch all so you talked about your designing i do want to touch on that as well because it's insane your talent that you have in terms of like your vision and taste um so tell us a little bit about what you're working on now yeah um so i gosh i spent so many years um doing like all of the stuff that i thought i should be doing of you know the management consulting, the project management, all, all the stuff. Um, but I just always had some kind of like creative hustle going on the side, whether it was like renovating our house that we lived in, buying a rental property and like figuring out, like turning it into an Airbnb, like just things around real estate and around design. And so when we moved here to Austin, um, you know, we finally were out of the East Coast and like these small little houses and apartments on the East Coast. Um, and so we just had the space and I, you know, I think it was in the wake of the pandemic and just like, just really reanalyzing like what's important and like, who are we even? <laughs> like, are we even alive? And I, I think mm -hmm. that was kind of, again, another moment of sort of like reinvention. I, I think that's the general theme. I, every couple of years, it's like, you need a reinvention. <laughs> um, and so I was like, you know, I, this is where my energy flows naturally. I could literally lose time at flea markets, hunting for things, finding the needle in the haystack. I love that. Um, yeah. And so I started um, a vintage furniture business here in Austin. Um, it's a growing city. So there's definitely a lot of demand. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been it's been really interesting trying to apply my 
more like structured um, spreadsheets and all of my processes. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> to you know the antiques business, which is essentially like a bunch of old white men um, who mm -hmm. do whatever the hell they want. It's a very very closed community. Um, it's another it's another whole that. subculture. I, I will I'll just leave it at that. But it's another whole subculture. Um, so that's been interesting trying to break into that as like a young woman of color, as someone who's queer. I mean, I had, I did a show here around top Texas is one of the largest antique shows in the country. It's twice a year. And I brought a couple of pieces, a couple of nudes and they were both women of color. And most nudes are not people of color, right? Like most people who had money to be painted were, were white. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just fascinating. They, they did not sell, they didn't sell. But it was so important to me to have those pieces be a part of my like setup. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, again, I, I view this as sort of just like, just being there, being somewhere, being present, being that face. Um, it just seems important. Like we're this kind of in between generation, right? Because I meet people who are like five, even just five years younger than us. They literally could give a shit that I'm queer. They're just like, who cares? Yeah. No <laughs> Right. Um, sorry, I don't think I'm supposed to curse. Um, oh, we curse. Have you met me? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Have you met me? Um, but yeah, they, they just, it's just such a big difference. And so I feel like we're the kind of final holdout yeah. of this generational. And it's not just brown people, I will tell you, um, not just South Asian people. I mean, we go into black spaces. Like we've been to um, a few black spaces where um, we went to a party of a friend of mine from college. It was like, um, he was part of a fraternity and it was like, you know, I mean, just people there. I mean, we walked in and literally you could hear a pin drop, like not a soul spoke wow. to us the other than the friend that invited us. Um, so it's, it's interesting, like in brown and black spaces, it's the most uncomfortable, but people who are our age and older, anyone who's literally a couple of years younger, it's just like, they don't even look our way a second time. They're just like, oh, okay. Um, so it's, it is very interesting, I think, to just kind of note the, the differences, but I think it's important, you know, for us to kind of like, like you guys having these conversations, like someone has yeah. to start, right? Yeah. But thank you for being brave and, so you know, cool. being vulnerable because yeah. not everyone is, it, people are still afraid to talk about these topics and they're worried about like, you know, what are people going to say? And, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's, it takes a lot of courage to talk about these very taboo topics knowing that there there might be backlash and um but and and the fact that you're opening up to others and saying hey if you want to talk about it like reach out to me you know i've had this experience um that's really helpful especially for the next generation who are probably going through a lot of these same thoughts where they're like oh my god i you know i don't feel right or I feel different and I can't talk about it with anyone. So I think yeah. it's great to have, you know, representation um, and so that they feel like they are in a safe space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so many, it's become so much more accepted for people to explore their sexuality along with everything else that we're telling people to explore and to be open yeah. to and to experience your emotions and be in your body, right? Like these are not things we grew up doing. At no, least yeah. I wasn't taught to do that. And so, you know, struggling through that now and in, into adulthood, I mean, I would hope that the next generation doesn't have to do that and that, 
you know, they will see, you know, even, you know, our, the kids generation, like y'all's kids generation, mm -hmm. like we'll see someone like me and be like, oh, like that, that's in the norm. And I think yes. that's the part that I would say to the community is like, even if you don't have queer friends, like number one, I think try to get to know different people. Like that's important yes. for all of us. And it's hard. I think as you get older, it is hard to try to make friends that look and feel different than you. Um, I think there's so much richness in that. Um, and in our community, we don't always do a good job of it, right? Yeah. But on top of that, I feel like it's these little, little moments that we all have an opportunity, right? Like you might hear an uncle or auntie speak sideways about somebody, you know, um, maybe something the slightest bit disparaging about them potentially being gay or, you know, that they don't know, like whatever the case may be. I think that there's an opportunity in those small moments. And it's those moments when like none of us wants to say anything that I think are the real opportunity. Um, because I do think that that is what brings us all along and, you know, forces the conversation and it's, it's uncomfortable for a minute. And then it's like, you know what, now you've established that maybe it makes it just that much more comfortable for your kid who's listening to hear what their mom yeah. has to say about something or them seeing, you know, oh, this, you know, these two guys, like they, they are a family and they have a baby with them. Right. And I just think it's those little things that move the needle and that are important. Um, for all of us to do. I don't know if I'm emotionally mature enough to do it without a level of aggression. Like, <laughs> yeah, same here. I feel like because, I'm just going to get angry. Yes. And I feel like, because <sighs> I, 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 I want to be more vocal about it and I need to practice myself to do it without like yeah. completely turning this person off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, like maybe the whole room will be quiet but i don't know like i just i couldn't i don't it's hard for me to do it without getting really angry yeah yeah and aggressive but i think that that's that's one side of it but but exactly to your point like i feel like we hear it all the time in passing what's on tv or what your kids coming home with a different story or someone moving in next yeah. door it's it happens all the time and then it's yeah. like we're so much more aware we are at least we're more aware of that mm -hmm. from a race perspective it's there mm -hmm. from there's again all the layers right so i just feel like the anger continues to build up in me because i'm like god damn like yeah there's so much here maybe the anger is needed sometimes maybe maybe that's what's going to push the needle right maybe yeah yeah i you're totally right though about the racial part i didn't even get into that but you know my partner is obviously black and so that you know introduces another whole set of things but again something we don't do super well in our culture right yeah is talk about race in any kind of mm -hmm. um enlightened way um and again like our kids are listening we I, I don't know like it's just so out of sync with i think my own personal values the things that i hear coming out of like some of my uncles and aunts and aunties mouths that I'm just like, at a certain point, I'm just kind of like, what, why bother? But yes. it's important, right? Like to completely write off an entire race of people or what, I don't know, whatever the things are that come up. Like it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's concerning, but. I think I remember being in a room with somebody who was like, um, oh my God, like she was like, oh my God, your parents let you study like communications or advertising in school, which was just like, oh, like how far we've come. 
from those conversations of like, you're not a doctor to, oh my God, you decided not to go to college to, oh my God. Yeah. You, like talk about where That's we true. are. I guess we have progressed in some sense, right? Well, yeah, I don't know if I would meant that in a positive way or a negative really? way, but it was just like, that's kind of where it started. But if we were to take the same sentiment of like, yeah. yes, I didn't. Yes, you know, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And just look at it from a human perspective on maybe going back to Bushra's choice. From a lot of it, Bushra's point about choices, a lot of it is about choice, but it's also a lot of just accepting who we are. Yeah. And like, fuck you if you don't accept me <laughs> for right. who I am. Mm -hmm. But that's a, I think that's a, I feel like for our community, it's a long time coming. It's, you know, I, I always struggled with, uh, people always say like, just don't argue with the elders, right. you know, mm -hmm. just, just ignore or walk away. And I have an incredibly difficult time doing that. But again, it's ingrained in us that like, you don't argue with your elders, whatever they say is right. And that's it. Right. And so I think that's where it becomes so much easier to just ignore and just say, I'm not going to correct this person because it's just going to blow out of proportion. And then I'm going to get a phone call from my mom and it's just going to get worse. I'm pretty sure I'll get phone calls after this episode. But, um, <laughs> but you know, so oh I well. think, yeah. It, it, and so yeah. that's why it's, it is, again, courage is a very big thing to be able to do these things. You have to be brave and not everybody's able to do that. It's, very difficult so uh, as allies of any community right yeah. whether whatever it is i Absolutely. think as allies there's a we play a big role yeah and, and i think when you think about our history right i mean bangladesh is so young we yeah. our parents literally lived through an independence struggle like to me this is an extension of that like what is our revolution like what is our fight for and it's mm -hmm. like we need to figure out who our truest selves are. Like that is literally what we were put here to do. And I think we do stand on the shoulders of our parents. Like, you know, my mom wanted to study Bangla literature, but she had to study chemistry because that's what would get her here, right? Yeah. And for me, like the, the beneficiary of that, I'm like, guess what? I get to go open my own business and like yeah. do the things that I want to do. And by that same token, like get to explore who I am. And I think sexuality is part of that. And again, I urge everybody, whether you are queer or not, or we all fall somewhere on the spectrum, like we all need to explore who that is in us. We have this one life to live. Mm -hmm. We have this one flesh suit that is gonna give out at some point. And, and that's, you know, that's a big part of it. It's just connection, right? At the end of the day. So. Yeah. YOLO baby, YOLO. <laughs> wow, I think we have a lot. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that concluded everything really nicely. That good. was a lot of good content. Oh my god, I, I'm sorry. I feel like it was so serious, but it's no, like that's okay. Okay, it's not serious actually. I mean, this type of topic is very intriguing. I think people are just like, wow, to hear from someone who is experiencing it and knows versus all of us speculating. Like, I guess this is what it's like, or this is what they're mm -hmm. saying. It's great to hear from someone who's from this community who's sort of gone through it and then talking about it. Um, no, I think this is like all very interesting. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of people um, in this next generation coming up. I feel like there will be a lot more voices. I mean, there yeah. has to be, right? Like there's just more of us. I think, you know, it's becoming less stigmatized, but yeah. yeah it, but it's a real, it's very interesting in Bangladesh. I feel like it's a completely different animal there. 
And just like in general, like so many things in society in Bangladesh are so under the surface, right? Like we're much more open with certain things, but I do feel like there's just so many layers of what goes on there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would, next time I go, I would like to explore that a little bit more and get more plugged in with, you know, with the community in Bangladesh. I, I think that will be, will be interesting for sure. Yeah. There's Were definitely there just... a, a really rich community there. That's what I was yeah. going to ask is that if, that has definitely evolved. I mean, yeah. it seems like there's quite a community for sure. I think it's largely men though. Like from everyone that I met were men. Um, I, yeah, like I would, again, but I mean, that's the norm, right? I feel like women in general, even in, even here, I feel like in, you know, the community men are the loudest voices for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to meet and people with lower resources. I mean, I feel like, again, like I feel like people with money are sort of isolated from a lot of the challenges. Right. Um, but it would be interesting to know, especially in light of all the attacks and things that happen there. Um, but it's scary. I mean, it's scary to want to go poke the bear and go over there and like try to figure this stuff out. So I've just tried to keep a low profile if I ever go there. Um, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe in the years to come, it'll it'll get a little better. I hope so. Yeah, yeah I think so. And to what you were saying, it is true. I think anybody who I know that's openly expressing their sexuality are all men. The right. girls that I know are just we know what's going on, but you know it's nobody's true. ever talking about it. And I know some high-profile females as well who hmm. are exploring their sexuality as we speak. <laughs> But you'd never know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure they're there. I mean, just like in any, uh, literally yeah. any other percentage wise, they're they're bound to be. But yeah, I, I think it's just a larger issue of our culture. Like I'm just, we just don't talk about a lot yeah. of things. And yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I mean, that's literally what I, fo- I feel like I've focused on in therapy. And so much is just like literally living my life, you know, from the shoulders up. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know, is there a body down here? Like, I don't know what's going on in it. Right. And so I think that, that hit me when one time I actually was having a health issue and had to go to the emergency room several years ago. And the doctor was like, are you like not in pain? Can you breathe? Like you don't have enough blood. Like you literally have half the amount of blood you're supposed to have in your body. And I was just like, no, I mean, I was a little uncomfortable, but like, I'm okay. And I just, it, you start to realize like how much all of this is tied together. And for me, mm-hmm. I know a lot of it came from just that, that kind of upbringing and just like powering through and yep. through, yeah. yep. deal with it. Right. Especially as women on top yeah. of all of that. Yeah. So, but yeah, but this was so much fun. Thank you Yay. guys. Thank really you. Fun. Yeah. Thank you so absolutely. much. It was nice to meet you, Maya. And Same. We need so- to connect. We need to be friends. I mean, yeah, yeah. Your your mothers would be friends. Your mom sounds a lot like Maya's <laughs> mom, do, actually. She's sound- also like a Kobe and all that stuff. So yeah, sure. <laughs> Charukola. Charukola girl. Yeah, just learned. I learned that from your podcast. I had not heard that. <laughs> <laughs>